Welcome to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. The California legislature has just ended its session, and they actually got a lot done, especially compared with the last few years, which were hampered by the pandemic and infighting. The Democratic supermajority passed groundbreaking new legislation on abortion access and climate change. And they also passed measures that would address how to care for mentally ill people living on the street and how to build housing quicker. Now the bills go to Governor Gavin Newsom, who has until September 30th to sign or veto them. For the most part, Newsom and the legislature were on the same page politically. But on some issues, like about whether farm workers can hold union elections remotely, they differ. And hovering in the background are the upcoming elections, and not just the ones this November. Polls say Newsom will easily cruise to re-election over Republican State Senator Brian Dolly. But as we often point out, even though Newsom told the Chronicle that he has, quote, sub-zero interest in running for president, rest assured that he is keeping one eye on the 2024 election, just in case President Biden decides not to seek re-election. Here to explain all that went down in the frenzied rush to pass legislation before Wednesday's midnight deadline are the Chronicle's Sacramento correspondents, Dustin Gardner and Sophia Volig. Welcome back to the podcast, you two. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Dustin, let's let's start by talking about one of the top issues in California, and that is housing. What did the legislature do to make it easier to build housing in this state? They passed one really significant bill. Well, they passed a lot of bills, but one in particular stands out, and that is AB 2011. And this is sponsored by Buffy Wicks, the assembly member from Oakland. And this bill is really significant because for the last three years, there really hasn't been a lot of progress on housing legislation in the legislature, at least housing legislation that deals with construction in commercial areas. And her bill, it would make it easier to build dense housing in city centers, urban centers, vacant commercial land. And it would do this by streamlining the permitting and zoning process that developers have to go through. And this is the type of process that developers say often ends up killing housing projects because they have to go through environmental reviews and all these things that lead to litigation in California. And this would cut out a lot of that and just allow them to get right into the the planning of construction. You would think that organized labor would love these bills because it means more work for their members, but it wasn't that simple, right? No. So there was a really intense divide within the labor movement over this bill. Um, The last couple of years, one of the reasons that a lot of housing bills were dying was because of a dispute about um, the extent to which legislation requires developers to use um, union workers for for these housing projects where they're going to be given special permit permission from from the state to um, skip permitting and zoning processes. And there was a divide between the Building Trades Council, which represents represents most construction workers and the carpenters union and basically the building trades they wanted language that essentially guarantees that all the workers on a project are union workers and buffy wicks's bill d- didn't didn't do that it it offered prevailing wages for workers but didn't go as far as including that union friendly language um, so there was a lot of strife within the labor movement but buffy wicks kind of just kept pushing and eventually democrats agreed to put her bill forward if if a more union-friendly bill was also allowed to go forward at the same time. So it may soon be easier to build more housing in California, and it soon may be easier to take care of people living on the street. The legislature passed what is colloquially known as care court. That is Newsom's signature policy idea about how to address people with mental illness. 
Sophia, remind us what Care Court would do and who is its target population. Yeah, so Care Court is actually an acronym. Care stands for Community Assistance Recovery and Empowerment. Thank you. And it would essentially create a new civil court system that would aim to get people with severe mental illness, specifically psychotic disorders, schizoaffective disorders, into treatment. The Newsom administration estimates that there are about 7,000 to 12,000 people in this population that Care Court aims to address. So it's a it's a relatively small population here in California, and certainly not everybody in this population is homeless, but many of them are, and they make up a, a very visible segment of the homeless population, people that you see on the streets who are very clearly going through a mental health crisis, very clearly need help. And right now, the Newsom administration and and supporters of this bill say that there just aren't enough avenues to get these people into treatment. I've spoken with a lot of family members of, of people with these psychotic disorders who support the measure, who say that they really hope that it would provide a new avenue for them to get their loved ones help. It would essentially force counties to provide services to these people, and it would aim to compel the people in the system to accept those services in an attempt to to get them the treatment that they need. As we are recording this, there is a blistering heat wave hitting California. We're all schwitzing right now. Sophia, what is it? What 105 right now in SAC? You know, I'd have to check my phone. Um, Look at you. You're you, you're so so concerned with accuracy. You want to make sure you're accurate. Yeah. About the, the current temperature right now. I love that. It's it's 103. Um, I 103. think earlier okay. when I was, I was outside, it was 101. So it was it was pretty hot. It's it's getting up there. It's supposed to be 112 this weekend, and oh, we're not there yet. But that's coming probably on Monday. So, well, the legislature passed some major climate change legislation as they were sweating through their suits in Sacramento. Dustin, (laughs) tell us what some of these measures would do. Yeah, I mean, really, this is the most sweeping climate package that the state has really ever passed, just in terms of the the scope of the goals that it, that it's setting. Um, in the, a couple of the big things, um, it's ramping up the speed that the state will get to a clean electrical grid. It's uh, making it legally binding for the state to be carbon neutral by 2045. Um, it's creating safety zones around oil wells that are near homes and schools. It's a 3,200-foot space between wells and, and those sensitive sites. Um, so it's just a really wide swath of climate legislation. Um, and it, Governor Newsom really kind of championed this package the last couple of weeks of the legisla- legislative session. He sort of came out of nowhere and asked lawmakers to carry this and, and push it through. And there were there were a lot of skeptics who thought there wasn't enough time that he was asking too much. There wasn't um, just really the ability to hash out the details of what he wanted to get done, but they did it. Um, uh, Most of uh, all the bills that he wanted got through. Um, Some of them got through by just a few votes and they they really had to twist some arms to get it done, but, but they did it. Now, throughout his term, uh, Newsom's been all about renewable energy. And he's also a strong supporter of keeping the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant uh, open. 
Uh, this is California's last nuclear plant. Why the hell would he want to do that? It wasn't just a few years ago people were concerned that it could become another Fukushima situation here, a nuclear power plant in the middle of earthquake country. Dustin, tell us about this legislation that is likely going to extend the life of Diablo Canyon. Yeah, so around the same time the governor started pushing this climate package, he also was pushing to extend the life of Diablo Canyon. Um, like you said, this is the last uh, nuclear power plant left in the state. And it, it does generate almost 10% of our power statewide. Um, and Newsom, his really con his concern was really about power reliability, um, that you know we still do use this plant for a good share of our power. And he said the state just, just has not been able to get clean, renewable sources of power online quickly enough to allow the plant to close as scheduled. A couple of years ago in 2016, um, legislators agreed to a pact to close this plant by 2025. Um, and Newsom said it's just clear the state is not going to be able to do that on time. And so this bill would allow Diablo Canyon to stay open for an additional five years. And it's interesting, the governor really did intertwine this ask with his climate package. And a lot of environmentalists looked at that with skepticism and they said that he's giving us what we want on climate because he he needs us to not be so upset about what he's trying to do on Diablo Canyon. And as you alluded to, there are a lot of concerns about the location of the plant because it is near some pretty significant seismic fault lines. And so environmentalists have for many years been concerned that an earthquake could cause radiation to be released. And beyond that, they're just concerned about the amount of toxic waste that is generated um, with that type of a plant. Um, but the governor, he was very shrewd in pairing these two things together. And a lot of Democrats, even you know progressive Democrats who were not happy about this idea, they went along with it. Um, and really, the governor kind of had them in a corner in a sense, because he made it very clear that the state would, would be struggling to keep the lights on without this plant online. And technically, it is fossil fuel free. <laughs> yes, technically. <laughs> if you don't count toxic waste, it's yeah, well, yes, it's fossil fuel free. I guess that's yeah. not a gas. Yeah, that's not a gas. We will have more on what the California legislature accomplished this year after this break. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. And now, back with Chronicle Sacramento reporters Dustin Gardner and Sophia Bali on what the California legislature accomplished this year. As we know, organized labor is one of the most powerful forces in Sacramento. Sophia, what did big labor win and what did they lose on? Let's start with some of the big wins. One, and we're not sure... Uh, how big of a win this is going to end up being because we don't know for sure what Newsom is going to do on it. But lawmakers did pass a bill that essentially aims to make it easier for farm workers to vote in union elections. This is a bill that it's a version of a bill that Newsom vetoed last year. Uh, it is unclear if he will veto it again this year. The proponents of the bill did take some amendments to it in a an attempt to address his concerns. But he did say uh, on Friday, so just before uh, lawmakers passed the bill on Monday, he did say that he 
wanted more amendments in order to support it. And they did not take those amendments that he was looking for over the weekend. So I've asked if that means he's going to veto the measure that they sent him. It They did not respond to me. And I think there is a potentially small chance that he won't, depending on the amount of pressure he's under. This was a, a high-profile bill toward the end of session, in large part because Farm workers staged a 335-mile march from Delano to Sacramento, mirroring a very famous march that Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta led to advocate for farm workers really at the height of of their advocacy for that group. And so that was a very high-profile thing. I talked with some of the marchers, and uh, they were disappointed that it seemed like Newsom might veto it, even though they had just taken on this big march, this big undertaking in the heat through the Central Valley. Uh, so we'll still have to see you know, what happens with that, but I do think it's a victory for labor to get that through the legislature. Another bill that they passed, we don't know what Newsom is going to do with this one, but it's been called the FAST Act. That's kind of what it's been nicknamed. And it aims to essentially raise workers and uh, working conditions, uh, improve those standards for fast food workers. Both of these measures that I've mentioned that the legislature passed were passed um, in spite of really fierce opposition from business groups including, you know, agricultural groups, groups representing uh, farms in the case of the farm worker bill and groups representing uh, restaurants and and fast food franchises in the case of the the FAST Act. One labor bill that did not pass that was one of the Labor Federation's other priorities this year is a bill that would have allowed legislative staff, so the staffers who work for the the lawmakers we're talking about here. They're the ones who write all the analyses of the bills. They're the ones who make sure that the, you know, the lawmakers are communicating with their communities and are informed about uh, the issues that they're crafting legislation on. They're the people who really craft the bills and and uh, help them go through the committee process. It's a bill that would have allowed those staffers to unionize. And for the fifth time, lawmakers rejected it. So even though they passed bills requiring other sectors to, you know, make it easier for their workers to unionize, they themselves did not vote to allow their workers to unionize. Uh, That bill died in an assembly committee on the last day of session, so uh, on Wednesday. Did pass through the Senate. Democrats in the Senate supported it, but it died in the assembly. And so once again, legislative staff lost an opportunity to unionize and organize themselves. Good enough for thee, but not for me or whatever, however that one goes. <laughs> and by the way, both those bills that that uh, either uh, died or uh, are in danger of being vetoed are favorites of uh, the new head of the California Labor Federation, Lorena Gonzalez. She is not shy about giving the governor an earful and uh, so uh, stay tuned for that, because that will be, of course, entertaining to watch and listen to. <laughs> okay, Dustin, let's talk about guns. Earlier this year, Newsom vowed to make it harder to, to obtain a concealed carry permit after the Supreme Court loosened those laws. 
California already has the nation's strictest gun laws. But on this one, gun safety advocates fell short. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So in the ruling in the Bruin case, the Supreme Court really took aim at state laws that require um, gun owners to demonstrate that they have a self-defense need if they want a concealed carry permit to carry their weapon in public places. Um, and so after that ruling, Newsom and Attorney General Rob Bonta and legislators, they they said they wanted to come back and, and create a different law that would comply with the letter of the Supreme Court's ruling, but would make it really, really hard to get a concealed carry permit in the state. And the, this bill would have done things like prohibit guns in more public places like bars and casinos and sports venues, just a whole long list of places that concealed carry permit owners would not be allowed to carry guns if they got their um, permits. Um, and so really it would just be kind of a disincentive for anyone to want to get the permit in a lot of cases. Democrats thought they had the votes. They were so sure that they could rush this through that they added an, they added an urgency clause that would have made the bill take effect as soon as Newsom signed it. And because they added that clause, they required a two-thirds majority vote um, in each chamber. And uh, it turns out they were a little bit shy in the assembly. They were two votes shy of, of the 54 votes they needed. And so that bill died on the final night of the legislative session, um, just minutes um, as after they adjourned, the bill died. And Democrats are kind of scratching their heads wondering, why did we not plan this better, I think, and um, really trying to figure out what their next steps are after that kind of unexpected failure. Since this is the It's All Political on Fifth Admission podcast, let's talk about the politics of all of this. Newsom has told us that uh, you know he has sub-zero interest in running for president, but he is definitely bumping up his national profile. How does all this affect him nationally? Sophia, you take the first swing at this. Well, I think that the care court bill that passed that Newsom is, is going to sign into law, we don't know exactly when, but soon. Um, I think that could be a factor in his national ambitions. I think the um, really serious homelessness crisis that we have here in California is seen as one of Newsom's biggest political liabilities and weaknesses um, beyond just being a, a problem that obviously policymakers need to address. The political optics are, are really bad for him. And so if his care court proposal is successful, if it really does get this um, very visible segment of the homeless population who very clearly need help, if it really does get them the help that they need, it could really um, be a signature policy achievement for Newsom that he could campaign on for any you know political ambitions he has, including potentially running for president. Here's what I did to solve the homeless crisis exactly. in, in California. Yes, yeah, we took these things. It's something he can really own. So yeah, Dustin, what uh, as as Newsom is printing up his Newsom for 2024 president uh, uh, signs right now. What uh, what can he point to in this legislative session? Uh, and and you know, provided the laws that he signs or vetoes, what? What will help him nationally and what could hurt him? You know, all these issues that 
the legislature made progress on this year, um, where whether it's the care court or housing construction or climate. I mean, these are all the intractable problems that California faces that are sort of give the state a black eye. These are the existential crises that that the state has been branded with. And I think Newsom really needs to show progress on those issues. And I think he pushed really hard to do that this legislative session. And as he was talking about the climate package um, and his push to keep Diablo Canyon open, it was interesting the other day, he sort of took a swing at Texas and pointed out some of the energy issues that state has had with its power grid failures in 2021 during a winter storm and, you know, pointed out how the California doesn't want to be like that. And he pointed out how much, you know, Texas is reliant on coal and then still having those energy issues. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think this governor wants to show he's making progress. He really wants to make sure the lights don't ever go out again the way they did here in, in oh. August of 2020. So I think, yeah. Or, or back uh, 20 years ago, and that's what killed, uh, helped to kill Gray Davis' uh, uh, then booming political career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I think the governor's team knows that. And, you know, with the heat wave that we have um, this this holiday weekend, the, the, they're very cognizant of that. And it's he's really trying to get ahead of those issues because they know if there are issues like major grid failures, that, that 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 could really hurt his chances. So in a lot of ways, the governor is building up the agenda he needs to to run for for a national office. But, um, you know, there are a lot of unknowns that are he's sort of at the mercy of mother nature and climate in in california so i think that is his kind of achilles heel if there is one all right i know you guys had a late night last night thank you for uh joining us today to wrap all this up sophia's at 105 yet in sacramento is it still 103 i i think it has not yet reached 105 (laughs) but that's where we're headed so (laughs) dustin sophia thank you for being on it's all political and fifth admission thanks for having us good to be with you I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Dustin and Sophia for joining me again. I'd like to thank the King, King Coffin, for producing this episode. And remember, no matter if you're pro-nukes or no-nukes, it's all political on Fifth and Mission. <laughs>